Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast, brought to you by Coronation.com, a legacy member of the Jittery Monkey podcast family at JitteryMonkey.com, and of course, a proud uh, member of the SB Nation Podcast Network. My name is Greg Mahochko, and the other legs of the tripod are not here this week. Don't be dismayed, it's not going to be an hour of me talking Husker athletics. I wouldn't subject that to anyone. Not you, not my wife. Just maybe John or Haas, but uh, uh, I, John has uh, not been feeling well today, and Haas was not going to get back in time uh, to roll tape. But we are joined uh, by a very special guest, making her debut appearance on the Five Heart Podcast, and uh, I, I probably should have asked how she pronounces her last name, but since nobody ever asked me how I pronounce my last name, we're just going to roll with it. Uh, our Coronation.com volleyball guru, Beth Merrigan. You got it. It was Merrigan. Beth Merrigan. Beth Merrigan. Welcome to the show, Beth. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm I'm good. I'm uh, new to the podcast and excited to talk some volleyball. Which we will absolutely do. But first, I warned you a little bit uh, uh, before we started rolling tape. You have to... We have to submit you to the rite of passage. Everybody from coronation.com who's ever been on the podcast, their first time, they always have. Uh, it's a little bit of a get to know you. And uh, since you are really relatively new to coronation, I figure this is as good of a time, as good of an opportunity as any uh, to you know knock out these uh, standardized questions just as quick as we can. And then we'll get talking about some volleyball. Sounds good. All right. The first one you let slip without even knowing it was a, a question uh, before we started officially recording. Are you a Nebraska native? No, I'm not. Uh, my husband is. And so we live in Nebraska now over in Scotts Bluff. Ah, God's but, country. Um, I, I grew up over in Michigan. So I'm a Michigan transplant to Nebraska. And and the the winters are nicer. Um, they're about the same. Uh, Michigan, where I grew up in Kalamazoo, um, gets a ton of snow because Lake Michigan gives a lot of snow to the air, and then it dumps it right back down on you know Kalamazoo, Grand Rapids, all that western side of Michigan. So the only real difference is we just don't get as much snow here in Nebraska, but the temperature is just as cold and just as dreary some days. So pretty similar. And what I remember from uh, my time living out in the panhandle, there is nothing out there that blocks the wind. True. The wind, the wind is a big difference too. We didn't have that as much in Michigan, lots more trees in Michigan. And um, yeah, the wind here in Western Nebraska gets going and it can ruin a day a perfectly nice day <laughs> except wind can, can we alienate 95 percent of our listeners <laughs> and just talk about how great western nebraska is versus the eastern <laughs> half of the state um because i i moved out to shadron when i was 21 
and I lived out there for just over three years, but not quite three and a half years. I like to say four football seasons. Uh, and then I was out, uh, very early in my radio career. Um, but the, the sentiment when you're anywhere further west, I'd say of Ogallala is that anybody on the eastern half of the state think, thinks that western, ha- uh, Nebraska is, you know, starts at about Grand Island or Hastings, which is not the case in my opinion. You got to get past North Platte really for Western Nebraska. Well, first of all, it's a long state. I've driven across it many times. <laughs> so where Western starts, I don't think I'll lay my card down on that answer. But um, we are certainly Western because we're pretty much next to Wyoming. But um, it's beautiful. You know, my my parents visited from Michigan the first time we moved out here and they couldn't believe it wasn't, you know, the typical just cornfields. There's elevation, there's plateaus, there's um, topography, there's real stuff that is beautiful. And it is not as the rest of the country or thinks just cornfields and cows. So um, wherever Western starts, it's pretty. <laughs> I, uh, I, I always find it funny that the, the buzzword the last few years is flyover state. And it, it, Kansas is definitely a flyover state. I don't think anybody's going to argue with us, especially listeners of this podcast. But I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you dismiss Western Nebraska, like you said, as, as just, oh, you know, corn and cows. There's a lot more to it. There's uh, Chimney Rock. There's uh, Scott's mm-hmm. Bluff. Um, you know, and then just I used to, to drive, you know, I, I probably I can't even remember the highway not or at least not confident enough to to say it but you know driving south from Shadron through Alliance then to you know Gearing Scotts Bluff and and on to either Sydney or Ogallala and, and there are really some nice buttes in the land uh you know, the the road kind of carves its way through uh through what you know is naturally there but just some really fantastic uh, uh views and horizons and and uh uh I encourage anybody look if you're going to the Colorado game this you know in a really just you know about a month or so you can't i I think it's worth you know going and making the drive rather than you know flying to denver or something like that but uh, make the drive spend a little time in western nebraska give give those uh hard-working folks some of your tourism dollars well and the the trick and i think where flyover comes from is for so long across nebraska if you stay on 80 you are seeing you know, the corn and the cows, and you're not seeing all of those um, parts of Nebraska that make it so lovely, so endearing, such a wonderful place. Of course, when you get over to, let's call that Western Nebraska, you have to get off of 80. It it ends or you have to go to another state. But um, if you're just on 80, then yeah, maybe you do want to just fly over Nebraska. But if you get off of it and you use another highway, that's that's really where I think you see the stuff that we're describing. I'm looking it up and I'm trying to be quick about it, but, uh, oh yeah. So I was, I, I was 70% sure, but looking it up now, I I'm confident, uh, highway 385, which would take you, you know, South from Shadron, you know, through Alliance. And then you can, uh, get onto, I guess, 26 and head towards Scott's bluff and, and, uh, whatnot. But I, I was all over that area when I was calling, you know, high school athletics, uh, you know, been to Bridgeport and Mitchell and Torrington a few times and Kimball even in Sydney, of course, uh, just, Beautiful drives, long drives, but but beautiful drives, worth the drive. So uh, how long have you been in Nebraska? Five years. 
five beautiful years. You you made it longer than I did. <laughs> and it sounds like, you know, unless there's a, a career change or something like that, you're probably in for the long haul. Yes. Yeah. We'll live here as far as we're concerned for the rest of our lives. Fantastic. Hope, hope it's obviously a long and happy life. Uh, so what is your day job? Because let's face it, nobody's getting rich writing for coronation. No, this this is my guilty pleasure. I really enjoy <laughs> talking about volleyball, writing about volleyball, watching volleyball. Um, but I do a couple day jobs. I'm a full-time mom to four kiddos. And um, then I'm in the Army Reserves. So I do that in my, what I call, free time. Which isn't much. Let's face no, it. no. Four kids takes up every <laughs> second plus ten thousand more, and um, they're pretty young. The oldest is six, so they take up a lot of needy moments for for them. Well, uh, not not to sound as I'm pandering, uh, but I've always been uh, appreciative of the military in, in any uh, facet and form. So thank you for your service. And I, I know when we were setting up, you know, potential recording times, and you said. Uh, you know, I, I said it could be Wednesday, it could be Thursday. We'll find out. And and I knew you had kids right away because you said, uh, "Got to be flexible, like I teach my kids." So, uh, well done, four kids. I, I, I'm losing hair, and what hair I have is turning gray just with one. Um, so, I applaud you on 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 all levels. Well well done, Beth. Well, thanks. There's the good moments and there's the hard moments, but yeah, kids are uh, all of it, good and bad. So we know you're a Husker or a Nebraska transplant. Uh, I'm probably guessing that you are not a lifelong Husker fan. I've always enjoyed volleyball because for Huskers, because they're so good, Mm -hmm. it's easy to like them. Um, (laughs) And they've been good for so long, right? They're one of the powerhouse programs in the country. Um, So I've always been a fan of just good volleyball. Um, but I didn't focus on them, of course, as much as I um, started to when I met my husband. And then, you know, he cheers for everything that's red and um, says husks on it. So um, I've not always cheered for Nebraska, but I've always enjoyed them. You know, this program has been long successful. There, There's something that's um, you, you, they're always on the radar when they have that kind of success uh, that unless you're you know, embroiled in a bit of rivalry with them, you know, going back to the big 12 days, if it was a Texas or, or an Oklahoma or maybe less, less so in Oklahoma, but you know, a Colorado or, or uh, Missouri, things like that. If you're not in, in that rivalry with them, uh, just based on success alone, there's at least respect that's there, even if it's not, you know, uh, fandom or, or I don't know if admiration is the right word. Yeah, I think there's a few programs that I've just always enjoyed watching and um, seeing what they do next. Just see if they can rebound after they graduate five seniors or see what they do after they come in second in a national championship. So those those programs are neat to watch also because the coaches are so amazing, right? A coach that can make every team that he or she coaches successful. That's something great to watch. That's a, a person to learn from a person to understand what, what are they doing that makes this program continually be great. It's not just great recruiting classes. They do something else in their locker room and on their court that makes them good. There, there's something about a John Cook that uh, can take 
And and let's face it, Nebraska, as far as you know, volleyball is concerned, they're not getting mediocre talent, but they're getting you know a talent, and he's getting a plus results from them. I mean, he there's something about him and his staff, and and obviously you know you look at his you know the coaching tree. Some of uh, his former assistants have gone on to you know head up their own programs. Uh, one of them I know is at Illinois, where I live. Um, you know, so it's they're they're finding success because of you know things they learned in Lincoln, and that's you know going back to what you said. It's there's something else. There's there's some there's that um, intangible. That's the word I was looking for. That that he's able to uh, you know not just take great talent, but to further their progression as well. Right, and. You know, I think some of the stuff that he's said recently about their trip to China um, is it's exactly what he's doing. He's growing people. He's growing great volleyball players, too. But he's going to um, teach them much more than volleyball stuff that makes them successful in all things and allow them to grow just as people. And that is a coach that um, is going to find success in his program or in her program and um, probably also just create people that you do want to come back and coach your team. And then those people will go on and coach other teams and be leaders on those teams too. So yeah, it's a, it's a big old circle of creating more and more success. And it isn't always focused on that success. It's focused on growing the people and growing the um, things that make those people better. And, you know, like, like you mentioned the trip to China, what Nebraska has done in the last, I mean, you could probably say 15 years, is they've developed uh, young young ladies, women who have gone on to play uh, international ball at the highest level. Uh, one of the names that, that comes to mind uh, for me is, is Jordan Larson, and th- she's someone who I actually saw my first fall in Shadron. Uh, the high, the Shadron High School was uh, made it to the state tournament, and their first game their first uh, match was against uh, I, I can't remember her town I want to say it was Columbus but I don't think that's right but went up against Jordan Larson and I think we all know how that ended up for uh, for Shadron <laughs> um, but they're they're going on after college having success at the international level but what I like about it is not all of them are going to you know have be that successful or, or, or you know Nebraska volleyball might be where their careers end but much like what men's basketball is doing this week with their trip to Italy, you're getting you're getting them perhaps out of their comfort zone. You're getting them away from, let's face it, an English speaking area, and and there, so you really uh, form a, a close bond. I think when the only other people who you can understand are the people you're on the bus with every day. You know, it might be a little different in Italy because I'm sure they're a little bit more westernized than than China was or, or is. But uh, uh, it, uh, just a tremendous bonding uh, potential or opportunity for uh, both the men's basketball and then you know, women's volleyball with their trip to, uh, as you mentioned, China. And I, th- I think that coaches realize that there's so many things that happen on these international trips and what an opportunity to go and see a different culture one thing happening there to come together as a team, because like you said, you don't, you don't have any fans. Nobody's coming to cheer for you and nobody's potentially going to um, even speak your language on the other side of the court. So you're really going into a dynamic where the coaches can 
Um, grow these players. Watch how these players are growing in those situations. See how they respond to this probably adversity. You're going to have more adverse moments um, on these international trips. Um, and see how the younger or older players respond to that. Who emerges as a leader? Who becomes um, the person that your team can lean on? Um, and I think also um, so important, especially in a program like Nebraska, is every team is brand new. You know, we obviously have a lot of returning players, but they have to be a new team. They can't be anything like last year's team. Uh, obviously not because it was a bad team. They did a great job, but they have to be a brand new team. And these international trips allow them to come together as that team and decide who are we? What is our go-to motto? Or um, how do we get out of a hole when we are losing and not having a good match? And what are those things that define us as a team that have nothing to do with last year's team? Um, they can do that in these environments, away from probably a pretty pressure-filled area when they're home. You know, everybody knows Nebraska volleyball is mm -hmm. going to be good, so they expect them to be good. That's pressure. Let's go away. Let's define ourselves. Let's let's see how these players um, respond to these different situations. I think these international trips do so much for the teams and players that get to go on them. We're going to talk more about uh, you know this year's team and 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 what perhaps expectations might be, but we've got more Q and A. Uh, so since we know that you're not a lifelong Husker fan, is there a singular moment? Uh, where you became a fan or was it just your husband wearing you down over time? <laughs> he got me instantly. It was like a zap. You will <laughs> cheer for Nebraska. Um, well, I think like, I don't know, maybe not most, but he's, you know, first and foremost, a football fan. Um, and then I've always been a volleyball fan. So, you know, as we married together, we became this, you know, I will cheer for football in Nebraska. You will cheer for all volleyball and obviously Nebraska. Um, I've enjoyed a lot of the moments. You know, last year's final for me was um, just an amazing match. I know we lost and that doesn't um, make any of us happy. Stanford is another one of those programs that I do cheer for from afar. But, um, you know, I think last year's finals where they, they just fought. Um, and I think most people would say that Stanford um, was a more talented team and more well-rounded team. Um, and as much as it sounds crazy to say, Nebraska was an underdog. And um, I sure wanted them to win, but um, I just thought that was a real moment where they fought through some things and just became equals with Stanford as far as playing ability in that moment at that time um, showed, showed some grit in a lot of the players. Let's see. Next we have, uh, again, this one might, might be tough to answer as a transplant, but do you have an all-time favorite Husker? I do. I, a lot of them. But you, you mentioned her earlier, Jordan Larson. Um, she's become, obviously she was important to Nebraska, but she's become so important to the United States team that, um, you know, her legacy will go well beyond um, University of Nebraska. She's been on the Olympic team and captain the Olympic team and just been a rock 
for the team for so long that I feel like she's, you know, raised the bar as far as how do you have an Olympic team, a national team career, and, um, you know, be the leader of the nation's team. So I, I like to watch her play and her, um, you know, interact with teams, and she's going to do it again here soon. You know, she's going to have younger players than her joining the team for the first time, and um, she's going to mentor them and create a team around, you know, her as the captain. So Jordan, pretty high up there on my favorite Huskers. And and uh, she's from Fremont. I don't know why I said Columbus, but uh, um, thanks, Google, for correcting me. Uh, so last question, and this is going to be the easiest one because it's probably the most recent. How did you start writing for Coordination? Well, my husband keeps getting plugged here. Um, he had seen a post that John wrote saying they needed a volleyball writer, and he sent it to me right away, and I laughed, you know, ha-ha. And, and then I said, wait a minute. I love talking about volleyball. I love writing about volleyball. What a great excuse to have to watch the games and need to, you know, tell other people what I think. So, um, yeah, I, I wrote to John and said, I'm the one. I uh, I write about volleyball for my family. We do a, um, a tournament bracket. I've set up a you know, just like the basketball bracket, I set that up for my family and there's, there's none online, none that I've ever found. Mm -hmm. You can't do an automated NCAA bracket for volleyball. I'm hoping that someday I can get that started, but I set that up for my family and it just grew and it grew and it grew. And pretty soon we had 30, 40 people joining and I'm manually (laughs) marking off all the scores and then I analyze it and I send that out to the group and kind of keep keep track of who's winning and losing and um, write about volleyball so you know I I have a feeling that this could be the year 2019 when it makes its way onto the internet courtesy of coronation I think it, it seems so possible I do not have the computer skills but I sure have the desire so let's we'll make it happen Everything is awesome when you're part of a team. I don't know if you heard that song or not. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a time out, and when we come back, we've talked a little bit about uh, you know this 2019 uh, Husker women's volleyball team and their trip to China. We're going to uh, dive a little deeper. Like I said, talk about expectations again, uh, being you know national runner-up from uh, last, I guess fall slash winter. Uh, so when we come back with Beth, we're just going to talk Husker volleyball. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the Five Heart Podcast. Greg Mahachko here with Beth Merrigan, and we're talking Husker Volleyball, uh, which is a little departure from, you know, what is essentially, not essentially, what is August, and uh, with uh, football uh, fall camp just underway or just about to get underway. But by God, we're talking volleyball because volleyball is important too. Many people would say that due to more recent success that Nebraska is a volleyball state. Beth, you probably just beam when you hear something like that. I enjoy the volleyball state. I enjoy that almost anybody I run into, I can talk about volleyball. They've played. It's it's a wonderful place to be as a volleyball fan. Was, was there this much focus 
in Michigan. I mean, obviously it's still, you know, Big Ten country and you have Michigan and Michigan State. But was there was there this type of emphasis on volleyball? No, there were just pockets of it. You know, there were there were groups of people and you know, of course, around the universities that you could come into these volleyball pockets and talk volleyball, play volleyball, but it wasn't everywhere. I really, anyone I talk to, there's a link. Volleyball comes some, from somewhere. There's a passion and excitement about something. So um, not the same in Michigan. I guess we kind of uh, completely skipped over a, a pretty crucial part of the Beth story. And what what is your history with volleyball did did you play you know growing up high school did you play collegiately I mean tell us a little bit about your like where does this passion stem from I did play I um I have two sisters and they both played so we were a volleyball family and my parents sat on plenty of bleachers to watch us play and um and then I did I went on and played in college I played at um, Army West Point over in New York and um was a setter and, you know, I still play in the city leagues and sure. all that. But, um, yeah, volleyball has been since I was, you know, seven or eight years old, been playing and um, coaching in some way, and now writing. So I just keep finding a way to thread it through my life. Now, with uh, four children, I don't know the, the blend. How many, how many boys and girls are, are we talking about or? Three girls and one boy. So you really have an opportunity in a big way to pass on the volleyball legacy to. Oh, oh yes. And, and I can tell a uh, little peek behind the curtain for everybody else is when we record five heart podcast, we do it audio only. We, we do it over Skype, but we, with the video element turned off, but I can just tell that there's, there's a, a smile on your face when you say, Oh yeah. Cause uh, you know, I can just tell just like, as I'm sure you you know, your husband, Another uh, plug for him uh, wants to pass on, you know, football or or basketball or wrestling. Wrestling, and I know, is very big in Nebraska as well. Something like that onto your son, uh, you get the opportunity to pass volleyball onto the girls, which is just tremendous. Um, and and just continuing that, um, I don't, don't want to say career, but that involvement, that activity. You know, like you said, in, in the city leagues or, or the YMCA leagues, uh, uh, whatever they're called in the gospel, it's just, it's a, uh, it, any, any time that you can prolong your passion for something, I just think it, it's a fantastic, fantastic thing. Yeah. And I think for me, it's, of course, the kids are going to make their own choices when they get to whatever age that they make their own choices. But, um, just the, you know, playing a sport and having that rush and, you know, nerves and, um, Having to work together, I, I don't know, City League, but the team I play on for the city, you know, we're going to have some strategy and we're going to, we're going to try to win and we're going to have fun. But, you know, having those parts of my life still going are important and, and giving the kids a taste of that, that, you know, sports can bring, lots of things can bring it, but I found it through sports that, um, a real rush, a real excitement, um, real purpose at, at that moment where you're working together and figuring out how to beat that other team. So, um, yeah, sports for me are, are, will be in the kids' lives, and they'll pick the exact one that works for them. But for me, it was volleyball, and that got me to 
um, you know, opening doors and um, doing other stuff. You just don't know what that thing is. And, um, you know, I'm only five, six, so I probably wasn't supposed to play volleyball, <laughs> but it worked out that that was the thing that led me to places in my life and continues to do that. So, um, you know, the passion, I think, is the most important part to have. And then the the sport itself perhaps doesn't matter. Who would have thought? I, I bet you seven-year-old Beth never thought that you know, when she was older, she'd be able to cover volleyball for coronation.com. That that was had to be at the top of her list of, of uh, why she was getting into the game. <laughs> no. I, I probably was planning to be on the Olympic team at that point. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? Then, then you, you, equally is good. E- e- equally on a different platform. Coronation, Olympic volleyball, probably the same in their respective <laughs> mediums. Uh, but going back to what you said just about the passion, you know, when, when your children, and, and particularly your girls, but obviously boys can play volleyball too, uh, in, in the right metropolitan area, I guess, because I, I don't think Scott's Bluff has boys volleyball, but some it, schools do. Uh, it doesn't, yeah, I could fix, fix that too, though. <laughs> but uh, when, when they see mom, playing not not just playing but having fun and and having that passion that's gonna you know trickle down and 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 because i think that's where you know my, my son's only three and and so you know i don't have a, a whole lot that i can you know show him yet but by god he's watching husker football with me on on saturdays and and uh uh you know i try to open him up to things that i i enjoy uh with hopes that he catches on but with with your three i really feel like over time, they're like, mom loves this. I got to try it. And, you know, so at least they'll try it, I think. You know, it's like, I enjoy steak. My son doesn't yet, but eventually he'll try steak and he'll love it because I make a really good ribeye. Um, probably, you know, off analogy, but we'll move on. <laughs> uh, so the 2019 uh, Husker volleyball team, let's, as you mentioned before the break, you know, this team is different from last year's team. They're going to have to, you know, find a different way to win. Find, you know, the the new Michaela Fecky. Um, they're going to have to find their identity, which is why you know trips like like the one that they took to China are, are so uh, helpful. What would you say are the expectations for Husker volleyball in 2019? Well, I think they're high. You know, I think they're going to be pretty consistently in the top 10 of the teams in the country this, this season, I would expect when the smarter people of the volleyball world vote on it, the coaches, they'll, they'll put them in the the top 10, um, probably the top five. Um, So that's just, that's going to be there for those, that team. But if I'm looking at it from the team's perspective, you know, and what do they hope to gain or what do they hope to achieve this year? You know, they don't have any seniors on their team, which is a really rare thing I, in sports to, to get to a senior, get to a year in college and not have any seniors on your team. So not only are they able to do something this year, but the same group plus the freshmen that come in next year will be able to, you know, potentially work for that goal again. So, um, you know, I, I think they're first focus on defining themselves in this early season. You know, they'll play three weeks of, um, you know, non-conference opponents, and then they'll get into the Big Ten season when 
so many teams are talented in the Big Ten for volleyball. It's um, just packed with great teams. Uh, and then the third part of the season is the NCAA tournament. So, um, you know, I don't think they look to the NCAA tournament right away in their goal setting, but they've got to look to go somewhere in the NCAA tournament, and it's pretty deep. You know, if they're in the top five this whole season, they're they're going to go deep into the tournament um, just like they have in the last few years. So I think the expectations are, are really high. Um, there's a lot of season to play, but they're going deep in the tournament, in my opinion. You've got, you know, names that even more casual volleyball followers like myself will recognize coming back, uh, like Jazz Sweet and Lexi Sun and Callie Schwarzenbach and Lauren Stiverens. Uh, you know, right there you've got, you know, a middle blocker, uh, a couple of middle blockers and some really nice outside hitters that are coming back. As you said, not a single senior, so they have big game experience and they still have, I don't know if room to grow is, is the, the right phrase or the right cliche, but, uh, you know... It, you got to think that every year this program thinks that they're, you know, going to be con- in contention for a national title. And and certainly at the beginning of August, we don't want to say, well, there's always next year because we're not Cubs fans, by God. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you, you know, that you've got this, these four, and, and certainly those are just, again, the names that I recognized as, as casual a follower as I am, as I mentioned. But, they they've had they have the big game experience they have you know ex- experience but youth on their side there there are a lot of reasons for you know coach john cook to be excited about this year's team yeah he's he's got young players with experience you know they've they've done some things and they've played in big games um you know, freshman last year the setter nicklin hames she was a freshman setting this team and so many people described her as seeming like a veteran setter who didn't make mistakes in the tournament and didn't make, you know, errors that freshmen can make when they haven't been on that stage before. So I I think he must have high expectations. Um, obviously, he's a veteran coach, so he, um, you know, probably knows how to handle this, right? We've got young players that have had some experience and he knows they expect high of themselves. How do I manage this? How do I coach this team so that um, they become the team that they can be that they, these group of women play together in the way they can. Um, he's also got young freshmen coming in that are coming and wanting to compete for those positions that were played by jazz suite last year. You know, these, you wouldn't call them set in stone. I think as a coach, you always want to compete for positions in the early season. But I think pretty pivotal for this Nebraska team is at what point does Coach Cook think that he's solidified? You can always change it around and have options. But when does he solidify the players that are playing? When does he really choose another outside hitter? You know, Lexi son, we think she's going to be the first outside hitter, when will he decide that that second outside hitter is really, you know, Capri Davis? She had moments of great last year or, you know, other freshmen that step in there, Maddie Kubik, she came in early to play and to 
see the campus. She's been there since January and she played the beach season. I think it's pivotal for Coach Cook of when he decides those main players, barring injury, these are the ones we're going to go with for the rest of the season. When does that happen? I, it, I'm, again, casual at best, but certainly by the time you get to conference play, especially Big Ten, you know, being the toughest volleyball conference, you've got to have your lineup pretty well established and and that's, you know, Illinois at the end of September, right? Yeah, and Illinois is a a big one to start off on. They they're, they're going to be great again this year. So, um I I think he may, but I I will not be surprised if he's still giving playing time especially to the outside hitters. Um he also has another set, talented setter that came in as a freshman this year. Um Nicole Drunick. So I think he's going to solidify the setter that, you know, quarterback of the team that has to happen soon. But I won't be surprised if the outside hitter position is still pivoting around um, into Big Ten season. I think that is possible that um, they're competing and, and still trying to decide who's most consistent. You know, maybe. One of them is passing better, so she plays in the back row, and then one of them is just more effective in the front row, and maybe there's a substitution action there for that second outside hitter. It's, it's They're going to be off to the races. Let's talk a little bit about their schedule. They start the night before, I guess the afternoon uh, before uh, Husker football. So Friday, August 30th, the Husker Invitational uh, and – it's going to open up with UC and Baylor at 4.30, and then uh, it's going to be Nebraska-Creighton. That's a heck of a way to, to start <laughs> things off uh, Friday night, uh, August 30th at uh, 7 o'clock. And then they will get uh, Nebraska will get UCLA uh, Saturday night. Uh, then they're going to make a little road trip the first weekend of September to San Diego to take on Arizona and uh, USD. And... Bam, you're right in the middle of September. You're not too far into the season. You get a rematch from last year's national championship final. Stanford, it's going to be at the Devaney. Uh, have you had the opportunity? I know, as we mentioned, Nebraska's a, a long state. But have you had an opportunity to take in a Husker volleyball at the Devaney Center? I have not. No, it's a, it's a horrible sadness. But I have never watched a game there. So I'm hoping this year to watch many. So I'm I'm just going to put the put the word out to you now. Talk to John cuz we can probably get you credentialed as media uh Saturday October 5th. I I'm just picking a a game on a Saturday. It's not you don't have to be at this one but Saturday October 5th Wisconsin's in town. And that's oh, yeah. 7 o'clock. And and again I'm just saying that's one because I know it's a long drive and you probably don't want to do it in the middle of the week. Um but uh that's uh, I think Nebraska's first weekend uh, Big Ten home game or home match. So, um, like I said, we Coronation's got the hookup. <laughs> if if you want to go, we we could probably make that happen. But uh, um, I've not been. The, the, I just watch you know on Big Ten Network uh, uh, the Husker volleyball or or I guess it was on uh, Fox Sports or ESPN uh, for for the tournament last uh, fall or winter uh 
that, but there's something about that Devaney crowd, and it goes back to, you know, kind of what, what you said a little bit ago about Husker fans versus, you know, you know the the pockets uh, that you would encounter in, in Michigan is everybody's just so knowledgeable about volleyball, so they they watch, but they they know how to react, they know how to uplift the team at times. It's just it. Again, just watching it on television, it's such a looks like a very uh, enriching atmosphere. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, want to go to a few games this year. The Wisconsin game I have highlighted um, one because it's you know a Big Ten matchup, but Wisconsin will be excellent this year too. They'll um, be a big force. I think that'll be you know. Illinois first in the Big Ten and then Wisconsin second. Stanford, my goodness, to match up against the last year, you know, final game. That's that's a dream, really, a fan's dream. I think a coach's dream, too. You know, I think volleyball does a good job of, you know, playing good teams. And everybody wants to play the people that are good. There is no um, real benefit to just playing other teams that are not going to push you. So to play Stanford September 18th, yeah, I, I hope I can make it over to that and just figure out what to do with the children that day to <laughs> see, make sure I can get to the, the volleyball game. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to look too far in advance, but there is a back to back, what you can almost call a, a, a home stretch uh, or, or a, homestand i guess but november 1st and 2nd friday night and saturday night it's Rutgers, and then it's penn state yeah um it's interesting i think about the volleyball weekends with the pairings right so Rutgers has been a weaker team in the volleyball big 10 world but penn state just russ rose the coach there he just he finds a way to make every team he coaches highly competitive. So yeah, Penn State's another one of those programs that I just like to listen to, cheer for. Let's see what they're going to do next. And um, so I'd like to see them play uh, Penn State and Nebraska against each other. And, you know, just two great coaches too. So, you know, if they play the first two sets and what changes do these two coaches make to their lineups, to their um, strategies, who they're serving and to watch Russ Rose and John Cook coach against each other is a whole dynamic of itself, let alone the play on the court. It, it's interesting, Penn State volleyball, because that for almost a decade now, you know, ever since Nebraska joined the Big Ten, there's always been that, you know, who is Nebraska's rival? And I would say, you know, while even in football, it's, you know, that there's a lot of rivalries that are, you know, trying to be forced upon us like Iowa and, and, and Wisconsin with the, the, the corporate trophies, you know, that, that we like to call them. We're, you know, Husker football is looking for its honest to God rival that, you know, comes from the heart and, and not from, you know, high V. But I would say that regardless of sport, Penn State is, was probably Nebraska's first rival, uh, based on, on just you know the volleyball, uh, you know on the court, there there was a lot of a lot of tension, a lot of excitement, even in those early years watching these two programs, uh, legacy programs, just beat the crap out of each other. Well, and I I agree with you, and I think it's a similar fan base as well. So in that way, 
there's, um, you know, bragging rights or competitiveness in two different ways. We've got these longstanding successful programs that find a way to win every single season and fans that support them over and over and over again and who come to games and understand what the referee's hand signals mean and know when to cheer. And so um, I, I agree. Both of these teams represent similar areas and um, fan bases that, that stick with them. But to be honest, it's pretty easy to stick with these teams. They have down years where it's not so down. Yeah. When, when you're, when your bad year is like second or third in, in the best volleyball conference, that's still a pretty good year. Um, yeah. Beth, any, anything else we need to cover? I look forward to having you on the show again. You know, when, when volleyball season gets rolling, maybe, uh, you know, around that Wisconsin or, or a Penn State match and, and just kind of getting your midseason thoughts. But anything else here as we, uh, as we wind things down that, that you want to express uh, uh, vis-a-vis regarding uh, volleyball? Well, just that the national team is playing um, August 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. They're um, competing for a bid to the next Olympics in Tokyo. So they'll play um, against Kazakhstan, Bulgaria, and Argentina down in Louisiana. Pretty exciting. There's three former Huskers on the team. We know one. What are the other two? I, I You'll have to refresh my memory. Um, Kelsey... Robinson. Maybe I misspoke. There's just two. So Jordan Larson and Kelsey Robinson. Was was Michaela Fecky, was she a, a late, I don't want to say late scratch, but, you know, uh, maybe not quite made the Olympic roster or? It's hard to tell. She's She's been playing with the national team and doing very successfully. So they don't, you know, disclose who got cut last, obviously. But I, I have to guess that she was um, – close to making this roster but um not this time maybe next time (laughs) i think she's got to be and you know this isn't the set roster for the olympics so you know that pool of players that trains together in colorado springs for volleyball that that opens back up so after this qualifier we'll see what happens look forward to uh reading more uh, volleyball articles on coronation Beth and, and thank you for taking time out out of your uh, full-time mom schedule which there are no days off uh, you, you know it's like a, it's like fall practices beginning for football and you're doing two a days but you've got like four a days with the four kids so uh, no time off I appreciate you squeezing an hour or so in for uh, for our listeners here on the five heart podcast Well, I enjoy talking volleyball anytime, any day. We'll keep that in mind. We'll have you again on, uh, uh, have you on again later in in the year as the season's in full swing. So, uh, for my co-hosts who were unfortunately unable to be with us tonight, Hoss Reuter and John Dam Johnston, we'll give them the shout out as we always do. For Beth, for joining us, uh, and talking volleyball and getting to know a little bit more about one of Coronation's newest contributors. My name is Greg Mahachko. We thank you for listening and we remind you that this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. Beth? Go big red. And win the damn game. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.